Amen. Thank you, Brother Richard. Welcome to again to everybody that's here. Um, let's open with a prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time to come together here. We thank you for your word, which was already given and already really revealed. Thank you, Father, for all you've done. Lord, we pray that you work in us, that your name would receive glory, that your word would come through and come forth and you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what is your will and what is your heart for our lives. I pray that you bless the words that I speak, Lord, that, that your, your word would be spoken. Lord, bless this time here. Um, draw us all closer to you in a deeper and a more powerful way in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So this, uh, this morning I want to, I have a message on uh, our God and our response to our God. So who, who God is. And I really appreciate the opening about who Christ is and what he wants to be to us and in us. And our calling to pursue that. So I'll, I'll do quite a bit of scripture reading this morning. If, uh, if you want to follow along, I think it would be good. Um, so let's, I want to take a passage out of Revelations 5, starting with the glory of God. The glory of God about who God is, who Christ is, and, and what, he, what He's done and what He, what he is and, and ought to be in our lives. So Revelations 5 verse 1. And I saw on the right hand him that sat on the throne. And if you, if you can imagine this, um, John is seeing a vision and a revelation of um, heaven, of something that is to come. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither look thereon. I'll read that again. No man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither look thereon. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open, the, open and read the book, and neither look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden veils full of odors, 
which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood. Out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation, and hast made us and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing, and every creature which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, such as are in the sea, all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be to him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down, and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Amen. What a God. And that's our Lord Jesus. And when you consider and when you consider Jesus, is this what you think about? And I I want to <clears throat> I want to go through some different passages about who Jesus is. And hopefully Give us a glimpse of our Lord and, and what He's done and who He is. <clears throat> and here in this passage, we see, we see Jesus as the King of Kings, as the Lamb who was slain, as the Lord of all the earth. And sometimes I think we forget that our Lord Jesus is the Lord of all the earth, the Lord of creation. And it's good to remember that this is the God we serve. And, <clears throat> and that he is the king of kings. And so, so it is the backdrop. I want to go to some of the other stories of Christ we all know and remember. Stories that probably we, we think of more when we think of Christ, when we think of Jesus and who he is. <clears throat> we have Jesus as the creator in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of man. And here we see Jesus as the creator. Jesus as the creator God. And everything that is, everything we see, everything around us was spoken and made into existence, brought into existence by him and through him. <clears throat> and then in, uh, in Luke 2, we start seeing a different side, a side of Jesus that he took on or he took on flesh. And he became a man. <clears throat> Ultimately for our sakes, for our salvation. In Luke 2 verse 6. And I know you've all heard this many times. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished 
that you should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there's a, there's just a striking, um, a striking difference there, isn't there? If we think of the majesty and the glory of where Jesus had come from, where he's been in ether- in, through eternity, through the ages, before, far beyond, before we can ever even process, here Jesus is brought forth as Mary's firstborn son. wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So then as we go on with the story, we have Jesus as a boy in Luke 2 in the same chapter, verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. And this is Jesus at 12 years old. And was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor, and in favor with God and man. And we have Jesus, the Son of God, the Creator, who, and he went down with them, and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them, to his parents, to Joseph and to Mary. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And it's, it's amazing. If we, and this is all we know of Jesus. This is all we hear for the next, um, what is it, 18 years. And if we stop and think about what all the person goes through between 12 and uh, 30, the things that go through our heads, the things that we have to process and work out, and that Jesus lived that, and he did it all blamelessly. It's just amazing. It's incredible. And then we come to Jesus' ministry, his baptism. And in everything, he submitted himself to the will of God. And I want to touch quickly on his ministry. In Mark 3, verse 20, And the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out and lay hold of him, for they said, He is beside himself. And here Jesus is ministering to people and they keep thronging him and they keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming to where even his friends come and they take him because they say this is too much. So much he was serving the people. He was, he was uh, trying to be there to help people. That was his heart. That was his ministry. Loving and serving. And then in John 13, there's a passage, a more of a longer passage, if you want to turn to it. 
I want to read. Now before the feast of the Passover, and keep in mind still the backdrop of God, the Lamb of God, the King of Kings, the one who was worthy to open the seal. This is him. <clears throat> now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, and the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. And after that he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and wiped them with the towel wherewith he was girded. <clears throat> then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter said unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, said, therefore said he ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and taken his garments and was sat down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. And here we have another picture of the humility of the that he chose to humble himself he chose to wash his disciples feet and this is the lamb of god who is worthy and then going on to mark 15 if you want to turn to mark 15 There's no particular reason I chose Mark's account. Mark 15, verse 22. And they bring him onto a place, onto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh. But he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments. Casting lots upon them, every man, what, he, what, he, what, <clears throat> what every man should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the superscription of his accusation was written over, the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on the right hand and the other on his left. 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, he was numbered with the transgressors. Think of that. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was basically crucified as a criminal. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, sat among themselves with the scribes. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Even those that were crucified with him reviled him. And there we see the Son of God, the Creator God, the Lamb of God, slain for us. <clears throat> And the question I want to put forth this morning is, what do we do with this? How does this make us feel? I think for me, it, it, after years of hearing it and knowing this and, and hearing these stories, it, become, it can become wooden or cold. To who our God is and what we claim to believe. Who our Lord Jesus is. The one, the elders, threw down their crowns and said, Worthy, worthy, holy, holy. And the angels are singing, Holy, holy is the Lamb. And as I pondered this, what I want, what I what I hope to, what I hope to drive at today to to touch on is what do we do? What what do we do with this? What's our response to a God who gave so much? What's our response to a God who came down from heaven, who came from heaven? A God who sent his son to die in our place. A God who kneeled before his disciples, who has so much yet to learn. And he washed their feet. He washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Think of that. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of the things in heaven, and the things in earth, and the things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Our Lord Jesus, who made himself of no reputation, was made in the likeness of men. <clears throat> and even as a man, he, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. And it would be one thing for a man to do that, for a man to receive that assignment. But for the Son of God, for God incarnate, to do that. <clears throat> we serve an amazing God. So, in thinking about how to bring this together, um, The, the, the only parable, the parable that came to mind was the one about the unfaithful servant. Now, I don't know what it's called. Um, and I, reading the parable again, I felt like I unwittingly prepared a, a case for this parable in preparing this message. So I want to go ahead and, and read the parable out of Matthew 18. Starting on Matthew 18, verse 23. <clears throat> Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king. You want to take time, turn there. Matthew 18. The parable of the unforgiving servant. Therefore, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. One which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. And loosed him and forgave him the debt. <clears throat> but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. And here, the reason I think this parable came is the difference here. That this servant was forgiven so much. If you look at the... If, if, you, um, if people... How do you say? If you convert it into modern currency, 
the 10,000, the, what is it, a thousand talents. The 10,000 talents would be the equivalent of millions of dollars in today's currency. This man had a debt he could never pay. And yet, he didn't forgive. And yet he, he had this, and yet this, this millions of dollars was just forgiven. It was written off. And it's incredible, and it? it shows us the gift that we have in Christ. The almighty, the, 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 the unbelievable price that was paid. How far Jesus humbled himself to come to us to meet us, to redeem us from where we're at. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, verse 32, I forgave thee all that debt, that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest thou not have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wrought, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So the subject Jesus was addressing here was forgiveness. This man was completely forgiven a debt he could never hope to repay. With no strings attached. Well then again maybe there were strings attached. But for no reason, just because, not because he deserved it, not because he was a great guy, not even because he asked to be forgiven, to be pardoned. It's what he wanted. He simply asked for mercy and patience, and he would try to pay. And he, he was completely forgiven. He was free to go. He could have lived his merry old life. He had no more debt. <clears throat> but he went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred pence. And he insisted that this person pay him immediately. And he would not, and, and he could not, and he was thrown, he threw him into prison till he would pay everything. His Lord heard and was angry with what he has done. And he called him and laid the, he, he, he laid the responsibility of the forgiven debt back on him. The forgiven debt was laid back on him. And it's, it's, it's an incredible story. And if we can truly look at it in the backdrop of how much God paid, how far Christ came, to redeem us. If we can see that. And it's like it's like the million dollars compared to a, the multi-million dollar debt compared to the hundred dollar debt. What's the difference? It's a it's a on on how would you say it's it's an incredible difference. 
<clears throat> you know, before God, we have fallen. And broken people, we, we have nothing to pay. We cannot, we can't pay the debt that we owe. We're lost and we're without hope. We have to make sure that we forgive. We have to make sure that we forgive from the heart. So likewise, my heavenly Father shall do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespass. And he says from the heart. And it's one of the things that struck me as from the heart to truly deeply forgive. And I know I had a message on forgiveness a while back. And I had the same parable. And this, uh, I believe the Lord laid it on my heart again. But before God, we are broken people and we have nothing to pay. We're lost, we're without hope. We have to be careful that we forgive from the heart. And I think one of the ways... We can check if, if, we have, if we've truly forgiven as if we can honestly pray for someone's well-being. If, we're honestly, if we can honestly hope for someone's well-being. If we truly care for someone, for their redemption. What is our response? I mean, and I think that's, that's one of the fruits of forgiveness. That's one of the signs that we're truly, we truly have forgiven. <clears throat> and I want to know, I want to not only apply this to forgiveness this morning, but also to all the other gifts and the graces that we receive in our lives. <clears throat> in love. If we apply it to a love, if we apply it to the love, we're, God calls us, Jesus calls us to have for our brothers and for our sisters. How much do we love our brothers? Do we, lay, do we love our brothers the way Jesus loved his disciples? Jesus said to love our enemies. Do we love our enemies the way Jesus, the Lord of all the earth, the Lamb who was worthy, the Lamb who was slain, the King of kings, He loved His enemies. He came to earth and He was ridiculed. He was hurt physically. He was insulted. And yet he loved, yet he loved them. We might not be able to love like Christ, but is that what we're striving for? <clears throat> Offenses. How do we feel? How do we feel offended at others when our Lord was not? 
You know, so many times there's, I see Jesus, the Bible says offenses will come. Offenses will come for everyone. Whether, it doesn't matter where you live, it doesn't matter what you do. Offenses will come, hard times will come, you will come into struggles. But how do we respond to that? If we look at how our Lord Jesus, how he responded to offenses. Do you ever think of him, that, think of that they called him a devil? These people here who, who are serving, and I think large part of them were probably very sincerely serving or thinking they were serving God. And yet, here comes God in the flesh. And they call him a devil. And Jesus, he wasn't offended. He didn't take offense. In the same way, we, can't, we shouldn't be offended. If Jesus wasn't offended, why should we be? We, on the other hand, we sometimes maybe act like, you know, At least children of the devil. So maybe there's some merit in it when, when people are, when people insult us, when people say things about us. But for, to Christ, there was no merit. There was no merit to it. And yet, he was, who was more understood, than, more misunderstood than Jesus Christ? where he was persecuted and crucified, finally crucified by the spiritual leaders of Israel. They drove it. <clears throat> Pride. How do we feel puffed up and prideful when, when our Lord Jesus humbled himself to where he did? Think of the contrast of the king of kings. You know, if we could picture a modern-day king, if there were any, a modern-day king, well, let's take a president, and he went into a room, into a public room, and he took a basin and started washing someone's feet. He'd be forcefully stopped. If he wanted to do that. That's not what kings do. And here Jesus. He humbled himself. And this is only one picture. Of, of the humility that Christ. Lived and walked with. And served with every day. He became. He humbled himself. And became a man. Just to, just to start with, he was born to the poorest of families. It was presumed that he was an illegitimate child. No doubt people knew about it. They always do. And that's how he grew up. And this was God in the flesh. And he humbled himself to be ridiculed, accused of being the devil himself, and he took it. And finally and ultimately, he 
humbled himself to the greatest degradation, to the, to the death and the crucifixion of the cross. Oops. And, <clears throat> and the cross, it wasn't as pretty as we see in the pictures. It was nasty. It doesn't look good on the pictures either, but it was worse. I mean, maybe some of the newer ones are getting closer, more what it looked like. But he was hanging there naked. Think about the, the, the humility, the humiliation. He was tempted in all things, as we are, but blameless. And I want to close with a passage out of Hebrews 14, Hebrews 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And this is Jesus, who's not a high priest, who wasn't, who wasn't affected the same way we are. He doesn't know what, he's, what we went through. He doesn't know what we suffered. Knowing everything we go through, Jesus suffered it harder. Because he was perfect. <clears throat> we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Our great high priest, he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. He went through the same things we go through, but harder. And he did it perfectly. He never failed. Just think of the battles he fought. Of the nights of prayer, crying out to the Father, to his Father. And if you look at the life of Jesus as he, as he walked on earth, you see that he spent quite a bit of time alone. He would leave and for prayer through the night. We don't know how much, but I would think it was pretty regular. Um, Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and grace to find help in the time of need. Let's come to the throne of grace where Christ, he died. He did this for us, for our sakes, to bring us to him, to bring us forgiveness, to bring us into his presence. So, amen. I'd like to open it up for sharing. Thank you.